Everyone knows that email is an essential part of any logistics operation. But what if some of those emails could be handled by technology instead of by your team? What if you could work faster and spend more time on the things that really matter, like growing relationships so you can grow your business? Introducing Levity AI, the tool that connects to your inbox, extracts key information, and pushes it straight to your TMS for you. Rate requests, new shipment entry, and tracking updates can all be automated. So get serious about saving time and winning more business. You can do it with Levity. Are you a 3PL spending more time and money than you'd like recruiting and onboarding logistics roles? Then it's time to check out Rapido Solutions Group, the leaders in nearshore logistics staffing. Located right next door in Mexico, they have access to the freight talent you need. From carrier sales to tracking and tracing and everything in between, they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you're ready to get your time back and want to move fast, check out Rapido Solutions Group. Visit GoRapido.com to get started today. Hello, and welcome to the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics, the podcast highlighting founders doing it the way that doesn't get a lot of attention. We're here to change that by sharing their stories and inspiring others to take the leap. It's a roller coaster ride that you might ultimately fail. That's when I kind of knew I was on to something. It was very hard. It truly is building a legacy. The more life you live, the more wisdom you have. Because we are where we're supposed to be, kind of answering the call. Don't shoulder entrepreneurship on your own. I'm your host, Nate Schutz. Let's build something together from the ground up. Good morning and welcome back. This week, I am excited to introduce a new guest, Brad Perling, who is the CEO and co-founder at Bitfreighter, a logistics software integration firm. Brad, good morning. How are you today? Hey, Nate. Doing great. I am very excited to be on this podcast. I know I was looking forward to doing it last year and uh, time got away from me. So I'm excited that uh, you've decided to bring it back and, and be on the show. Well, thank you. I'm curious, what what about the founder journeys that you've listened to so far stand out to you or, or any themes that, that you liked hearing about? You know, each founder has their unique journey and in, in what they decided to do to, to start their company and uh, the actions that they decided and what really drove them. And I think that's really where uh, I get excited to listen to your podcast because you get to learn about the people behind these companies and what has really built them. And uh, that's what's exciting to me about being on the show. And um, and I think this is one of the, the best best podcasts to listen to because of the the actual real content that, that you're delivering. Well, thank you. That's very, very kind of you to say. The The goal of this show is to share founder stories and support logistics entrepreneurs. And there's no one better to share the founder story than the founder who has lived it and the people around them who've experienced it, whether it's coworkers or co-founders or a spouse um, or your family, that you're going all in on something and it's terrifying to do that by itself, but it's even more frightening to do it alone. And so it is... I think it's a special element of our show in particular is that I always say the companies are interesting, but the people are way more interesting. So let's, let's start with your company though. I, it's difficult sometimes to describe what a company like yours does, 
And so I'd rather than me try to explain it, what does Bitfreighter do? So Bitfreighter is a integration enablement platform for logistics players to integrate with their shippers, whether that is with EDI or API technologies. We allow logistics companies to create and automate the life cycle of a load. So from quoting automation to tendering automation to uh, load acceptance automation, load updates, status updates, and then invoicing all directly with their shippers, that is ultimately what we help solve. We we cut down on the manual processes that happen internally at a logistics company, whether it's quoting manually or building loads manually or updating loads manually or sending updates manually. All of those things can be integrated directly to an enterprise TMS via EDI or API. And we handle the basically the systems talking. We make sure that, uh, we're, uh, like I, I like to say, we're the carrier and make sure that um, the systems are receiving the information in the language they expect to receive it in. When you first started in logistics, what did the technology look like for you? So I started in 2010 and we we used TMW was the, the platform, but the company I worked for was really forward thinking and they actually were one of the first companies that had built a uh, digital freight matching software on top of TMW. So early on, we were already matching loads and to trucks and, and creating capacity uh, with our internal proprietary software. Um, they were already thinking about efficiencies. And um, that's what really, uh, I think, got me into technology from really early on in logistics is uh, the creativity that company had. I was employee number 17 there when I got hired and started as a dispatcher. I mean, that is very forward thinking at, at, at that point to, and it also likely gave you a significant leg up when you decided to start your own company that you had seen what good or great looked like rather than, you know, starting at a very rudimentary level and then reaching a point of, I wish this thing existed that doesn't. And I, I need to figure out a way to go build it. So where did the, the, the first tiny idea come from when, when you thought maybe I could build something or was it, I, I, maybe I should just start a company right now. What was, was it a middle of the night aha moment or was it something that built over time? I was always the guy at my first logistics company that was asked to go start new things. And so um, I found out that that's what I was really good at in 2020 when COVID hit, I, uh, was working from home, had a bunch of time on my hands and thought maybe like, I, I really would love to, to build a technology company. And my mind is always thinking about efficiency. How can I, um, move more freight better? You know, how do I apply operational efficiency and the things I learned building both companies the first company and then the second company, I really was able to take with me to start Bitfreighter. You said that you, you have entrepreneurship in your roots. T tell me about that. Were your parents in businesses? Did they own companies? Did they start companies? 
So my mom is a real estate agent and she's been a real estate agent for 30 years. And if you know anything about real estate agents, they only get paid for the work that they do. Mm -hmm. There's no salary. Uh, It's essentially their own mini business. They have to be entrepreneurial. They have to be good at sales. It's the whole thing. They're, They're brokering deals. And I grew up listening to my mom talk on the phone all day long, uh, selling houses. And I think that's, uh, a big part of my inspiration is, uh, seeing her do that. And I always asked her like, why, why not build a big business? And she didn't, uh, and she, she, she never had that like drive to go build a big real estate company. She just wanted to work for herself. And I think, um, I feel like I'm taking it a, a step further and, you know, taking what I learned from her and actually uh, doubling down on it and creating companies around around those um, skills that I just, you know, picked up on as a kid. That's an interesting thing for us to explore. There are lots of different motivations for someone to start a business um, or buy one. And the typical vision or the typical storyline is someone st- has a startup in in their garage and then they they drop out of college and, and sell their company for a billion dollars and that happens it doesn't happen very often but more and more what i'm hearing from um, early stage founders and and founders of smaller companies is they're not looking for the the hundred million dollar exit a lot of folks are looking for a lifestyle where they can do things their way and have the chance to build something that they've always wanted to but it also fits into their life. It's not their entire life. It's not 80 hours a week. It is, I want to be able to spend time working on things that interest me in a way that is true to my own values. And it may not have to be the largest company in the world. I mean, that sounds a little bit like your mom, that she found something that she was passionate about and and obviously was very good at. And that's enough. And I think that's a really strange thing for an entrepreneur to say or to get to of saying, this is enough. I don't, I don't need more. A hundred percent. That is, I mean, you hit the nail on the head without me having to tell you. Uh, so obviously you've been, um, doing these podcasts and, and listening to people. So you can, you pick up on things really quickly, but yeah, I mean, her motivation was her kids. Right. And so, uh, having a six-figure part-time job, as she would call it, uh, and being able to spend time with the family was just enough for her. There's a lesson in that for a lot of folks, my, myself included. I, I'm ambitious, and you know, more is never enough. You get a little bit more than you want more, and you know, being content with what you have, that's going to be something I, I have to explore a little bit more and, and try to find my own motivations for why, why am I always working so hard for the next level or the next thing? Because that never stops. And if, if, if more of us could be content with what we have and where we're at, maybe, maybe our stress levels and anxiety levels would be a little bit lower. I don't know about you, but that's, that's my message for, for me for the day. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, it's really what about it's, it comes down to what makes you happy and uh where your drive is and and where your motivation is where you want to spend your time well what is yours then brad what what is your motivation and what does the destination that you're working towards look like 
Yeah. So, um, I think my, my motivation has always been to help people, um, and, uh, help grow things. Um, and, you know, um, with Bitfreighter, um, growing a company, um, and, and being a part of it, you know, I, 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 I was always hesitant to come on the show because, I kind of uh, have, I feel like I have imposter syndrome mm. uh, when you call me a, a CEO or, or whatever the, the title may be, um, because it's not about me. Um, it's always been about helping a team grow. And uh, I think that like when I look at building things, um, all the things that I've built and I feel like that's what I'm really good at is seeing the vision, but like the thing that I'm really, I think the best at is finding great people to surround myself with. Mm. Let's go deeper on this imposter syndrome concept. You're not the first founder to say that. It's also one of the reasons why I intentionally capitalize the word founder when I use it in, in any writing. I prefer to refer to entrepreneurs as founders rather than CEOs or rather than entrepreneurs because founding something is not only rare, but it, it's the earliest possible thing. Somebody can be a CEO of something that somebody else built, and it's not necessarily their thing, although it, it is also their thing, of course. But the the idea of what a founder does as the earmark of their professional identity, to me, holds more gravity almost than a fancy title. And that's why I capitalize it. I think it it's meaningful, and it it's a sign of respect and um i look up to founders every single day so if you had to choose a title that doesn't make you feel like an imposter what would it be customer success okay that's uh i think that's um you know in that what 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 really starts with customer success goes back to having happy employees and people that enjoy their jobs and people that are excited to come to work every day. Because if you have excited people, if you have people that love working where they work, then everything else will fall into place. Your customers will be happy. Uh, they can feel it. They can, they can, they know when people are at a company and they're not like, they're just showing up because it's just a job. Um, so I think, um, when I look at like my, me as a, you know, CEO and, and, um, a founder, I think it all goes back to making sure that I have happy people and that we're, um, you know, doing the right things for the people at Bitfreighter. And then ultimately, uh, that trickles down to, to, um, a, a phenomenal customer experience. Well, maybe even if temporarily, maybe you could change your title on LinkedIn just for a day. And, and make it so you feel more comfortable with it, comfortable with it. Um, the why behind what keeps you going is often different than the why that got you started in the first place. Oftentimes the starting is I, I have an idea or I, I've seen something done and I think I can do it better. Or maybe it's I want financial rewards that go along with it. And that's the primary motivator. That's 
not those are not always enough to sustain a founder years into the company's existence or in the in the, the later stages of of a company's life cycle so where would you say if you look out the front windshield the next 5 years what keeps you going i think you know we started this company to help people in logistics logistics uh, uh i came from the space i feel like i am these people and so uh, we joke about like the disruption that we're they're creating and, and what really like drives me. And I feel like we've, even though we have 80 plus customers now and we've done that in under 18 months or whatever, I, that's, that's not enough. We have, I have big vision and big goals for Bitfreighter to get to a thousand plus clients. And, um, I think that, um, being able to help people and, and uncover those rocks of where people are, are being taken advantage of in the integration space because it's unknown, um, is what is really driving us to create, um, you know, this, this company that's, I, I don't have, I, I want it to grow to, you know, uh, a hundred plus people that we can affect and change people's lives and, and, and help people grow and, um, and offer a, uh, a company that is forward thinking. And a lot of those thoughts I get from, um, uh, one of the books I just read was by Reed Hastings, uh, no rules rules. And, um, I think it goes back to how we run the company. And, um, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but like, I think when we look at growing Bitfreighter in, in over the next three to five years, like what is the goal? And the goal is to, um, offer a, offer jobs that are unlike many out there where people can come work here, be treated like adults, give them the freedom and responsibility to do their job and give them the flexibility to work from home and, and really have a modern workplace and I think um, as we do that, we become more competitive in, in, in the space. I love it. It's also what you're talking about offering to customers and to your team. I'm curious for you, what are the, the hardest parts of it or of being an entrepreneur now? And where do you go for help when you need it? We'll be right back. Have you heard about Bitfreighter and the EDI revolution? Bitfreighter helps companies automate communication with their freight partners through unlimited messaging and quoting. Traditional providers can't say that. The Bitfreighter team is also available 24-7 and responds immediately by phone, email, or yes, even text. Legacy providers can't say that either. So if you want to scale your operations to save time and money, come join the EDI revolution with us. Visit bitfreighter.com to get started today. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the hardest parts, well, the hardest part of being a founder, uh, because I've done I've done this twice now with the logistics company, but it was it was already kind of running. Um, although we we did have about ninety days of cash to make things work once I partnered with my my one of my best friends, and 
And then when I stepped down to do Bitfreighter, we, it took us I'm talking about bootstrapping. It took us to 12 months um, or so to actually write the software. Um, our, my partner and CTO, Brandon, he uh, spent nights and weekends and had a day job uh, writing Bitfreighter so that we didn't have to take a loan out. So we didn't have to give up any equity. Um, and that took, we stuck, you know, maybe not 12 months, more like nine months and then went live and from in December, uh, to December 16th, 2020 is when we went live with the first logistics company. And, but then it took another three or four months to actually get another client, a paying client. And, uh, you know, so that was like, you know, 14 months and you lay in bed at night thinking, okay, does anybody really need this? Is, are there people out there? Like you start, you know, questioning um, yourself, questioning yourself, contemplating if you're actually, you know, solving a big enough problem. Um, even though we had, you know, a ton of people interested right when we launched the company, just so much so that we had to take down all of our marketing and stop selling because we weren't ready. Um, but, uh, you start really thinking about that because the only thing that matters is, uh, our, you know, can, will people pay you for this? Like, is it, is it something that people need? And, um, I think, and that is one of the hardest things, um, in the early goings is like, you're laying in bed at night questioning whether or not, like there's enough people out there that need your service. Right. Um, and so just being able to have the confidence to wake up in the morning and get after it every day. And um, I think that that is probably one of the the toughest things as a founder is those early days when you're questioning yourself, if, if you're actually going to be able to, to make it work. I, I got an email last night from a brand new founder, two employees said, I just started my company. I just got my broker's license and we're off to the races and I'd love to connect with other founders. Is there anything you can do to help? The really, really early days, those are the most optimistic and uncertain time of the entire experiment. And it's really neat to get to hear these stories because they're in, each one is entirely unique, but you're not alone. There are so many others who have done something similar. And in our industry, we're just gathering more and more of these founders together through this podcast and getting them together each month and, and having conversations and supporting one another. More information on that soon. I'll, I'll share a, a bunch of information in future episodes on a, a really neat founder community that's emerging. But the stories are both universal and entirely unique. And so I think my last question for you then, Brad, would be this. I know who inspires me. It's people like you. Who inspires you and who are you thankful for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, in 2010, when I was waiting on the air traffic control school to call me because I, my degree is in aerospace, and I always, always thought that I was, you know, I have my pilot's license. And I always thought that that's where I was going to go and, and do. And, you know, um, and then my buddy, long story short, the first logistics company that I started at, I'm very thankful for uh my bosses there uh that they, they gave me a 
free MBA program in logistics. I they made us read thirty plus uh, books on uh, you know education, motivation, leadership, um, sales, uh, the full um, gamut of uh, leadership books that we had to read to be part of the the leadership program. But uh, those first four um, bosses that gave me an opportunity to come dispatch trucks for them and then continue to see, uh, you know, the, where, where I could go and, um, believing in me and, and giving me, uh, more and more opportunities to help grow their business. And then from there, um, you know, partnering with my, one of my best friends in logistics and, and then also, uh, the, um, my newest co-founder, Brandon, who has helped us build Bitfreighter. Um, I mean, there's just so many people I'm thankful for that have um, inspired me and, and keep driving this this forward. I mean, our our VP is at at Bitfreighter for taking the risk of uh, stepping down from their their roles that they had for ten plus years and deciding to come be part of a startup employees number like four and five at Bitfreighter. And, uh, and then ultimately, um, you know, uh, I think that a lot of founders need, uh, because it's, it's the times at night when you're laying in bed and you're questioning yourself, they need, uh, those foundational people around you. And that's really the key to my success is the people I've surrounded myself with and my family, you know, my wife and, um, my mom and, and dad, like I have a, a really good, um, you know, family unit that, that continues to cheer, cheer us on. And, um, I think that it's more about, uh, surrounding yourself with right, the right people and being on the right bus. And, um, that's really what continues to build Bitfreighter. And, you know, I, one of the things that, um, I want to say just quickly about our story is in, in my story is that you never really know, um, you know, what, what little things as you're growing up, uh, will end up being part of like where, where you'll end up. And, uh, the one thing that I, I always think back on, I think is hilarious is we, used to in the car on family road trips when I was a kid um, to pass the time my dad gave us a CB radio to talk to truck drivers and that was what we did to to pass the time and I didn't think it was weird at all at the time it was actually a lot of fun talking to the truckers I'm like thinking back about this now wow I in foreshad that was foreshadowing what I would do for the rest of my life is being in logistics and talking to truck drivers and doing it as a kid. And I mean, it was a lot of fun. And, um, I think, you know, that's a big part of the inspiration is, and it's funny, that's a little thing, but, uh, it just, uh, probably made me who I am. And, uh, uh, it, yeah, thankful for, for all of those opportunities I've been given. And obviously, um, you got to, end of the day, you got to take advantage of your opportunities. Well, here's what we're going to do to wrap up our episode today. 
you've got 10 minutes before the next meeting starts. Rather than closing down this and instantly opening your email, I'd ask you to spend five to 10 minutes and write down the list of names of people that came to your mind as we spoke today. As soon as you have an opening in your schedule today, you start making phone calls and saying thank you. And you'll be amazed at the boost that it gives you. We are all rooting for you. We can't wait to hear what you're up to next. And we'll have to check in six to 12 months from now because I want to hear an update on where you're at. Thanks for having me on the show, Nate. I, uh, it's been awesome. Really appreciate being able to share our story. Um, it's really not about me. It's about all the people that have helped me get here. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. And a special thank you to our sponsors and the team behind the scenes who make it all possible. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the podcast to get the latest updates. To learn more about the show and connect with the growing community of entrepreneurs, visit logisticsfounders.com. And of course, thank you to all the founders who trust us to share their stories. 